Well, good morning. We're going to get to that here in a second. Uh, but before we do, um, I don't know what you have going on in August. Um, for our family, August is a pretty big month. We're going to take our firstborn nine hours away to college and our, uh, our, our baby turns 16 uh, this month. So August is, August is a lot for us. Um, and I don't know what you have going on in August, but if I can implore you, encourage you, challenge you with one thing, um, there's, there's one thing that we're doing in August that I want to encourage everybody to be a part of if you've not already done it, okay? Um, D-group training is not something that we talk a whole lot about as a church. doesn't get a lot of airtime, but it is one of the most important things we do as a church. Um, our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. That's just our way of saying we want to make disciples. And if you don't have a plan for making disciples... If you have a plan, go for it. Keep, keep working the plan. But if you don't have a plan for making disciples, D-group training is for you. Happens the next three Tuesdays. I think it's from 6.30 to 8, so you're going to put in about four and a half hours. Uh, Pastor Josh is going to lead um, through that. And I want to encourage you, if you've not gone through it, um, to, to, to be a part of D-group training. We want, or I want, everybody who's a part of Grace Point to have a plan for how to make disciples. And this is one plan. This is one way um, that we can do that. So if you're interested in that, and I hope you are, I want you to sign up and come and take part in D-group training for the next three Tuesdays. You can sign up on, on the church uh, center app or you just show up um, on Tuesday night at 6.30. Uh, you can find Pastor Josh in the lobby afterwards if you have questions about that. But I want, again, I want to keep saying this. I want everybody who's a part of Grace Point to have some type of a plan to make disciples. And this is, this is a, a ready-made plan that we've put together, um, and we want everybody who, who, who can and wants to to go through that, okay? Okay. Last part of this series, Follow, Believe, Obey. Do you wonder what we're going to talk about today? Anybody wonder, right? If, um, if I could pick one of these messages to sit down with you face-to-face over a dining room table um, I don't drink coffee, but I'll meet you at Starbucks. Um, if I could just sit down with you and talk with you face to face, this would be the message that I would want to sit down with you face to face. I'd love to sit down with your kids. I'd love to sit down with your grandkids. I'll sit down with your great, 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 great grandkids because I'm going to live forever. So I'd love to talk to all of them, right? If there's one message, this, this would be the message. So, so let me kind of back up, especially for those of you who may be new or you haven't been here throughout this series and, and review where we've been, okay? The first week, we said that Jesus invites us to follow him. You look in the New Testament, um, the, the, the very first time that Jesus meets somebody, he doesn't start with, you need to stop that. And he could have. He could have said, you need to start. You need to go back to tabernacle. Um, thou shalt, thou shalt not. He could have started with all of that stuff. You, do you even know the Ten Commandments, bro? You know, he could have started with all kinds of things. That's not how he started. He started with, hey, would you follow me? Would you, just, would you, would you enter into a relationship with me? Let's get to, I want to get to know you. I want you to get to know me. Would you just, just follow me? And the people who followed him long enough and close enough and started to get to know him, they started to believe. Not believe that he taught good things or not believe in the good things that he taught or believe that he was a great person or a great teacher. They started to believe that he was, in fact, who he claimed to be the unique son of God, the savior that's been sent into this world. They didn't believe that because Jesus said it. They believed it 
because he died on Friday and some of them were having breakfast with him on the beach the next week. They saw with their own eyes a resurrected Savior. And they believed that he was, in fact, who he said he was. And, and that pattern is the same today. If you follow Jesus long enough, if you follow close enough, you'll start to have these aha moments. And, and, and it starts with one moment. But there's multiple moments where you, you think, oh, I believe he, he is the Savior. He is the unique Son of God. You'll be reading your Bible. You'll be sitting in a church service like this. You'll be maybe at a camp. You'll be talking to a friend. You'll be driving in your car, listening to something or a podcast. And, and you'll just have this moment. Oh, yeah, I believe that. Jesus is who he claims to be. That's the pattern. Following leads to believing. Today we come to the third word. And this is a word that's been confused um, mainly because it's presented out of order. But this is the practical part of Christianity. This is what God actually has for us, what he wants us to do. In, in the New Testament, this is worth reading just for yourself. People who followed Jesus and then believed after Jesus left, it started with about a dozen, then it went to about 120, then it went to thousands and then it went to eventually millions of people began to act, to practice the things that Jesus taught. They organized their entire lives around his teaching. So they were extraordinarily generous with their money. They were extraordinarily honest. They raised their kids differently. They, they did marriage differently. They elevated the status of women and children in their culture. Hey, they weren't afraid of death. They weren't afraid of death. They blessed their enemies. They did good to them. They, they were almost impossible to offend. Oh, that we would learn that. They had a sense. They had this confidence in eternity to the point that it produced a joy in this life. And, and they had such unique lifestyles that the Romans paid attention the Greeks paid attention. Even the Jews started to pay attention to how they lived. In fact, the, the, the Romans started to pay so much attention. It was so compelling to the empire of Rome, the empire that outlawed Christianity, eventually succumbed to it and became the, it became the capital of Christianity. All because a group of people decided not just to follow Jesus, not just simply to believe that Jesus taught good things. They began to obey what he taught and how he lived and how he taught them to live. And, and I don't know how. I've got my theory, but you're not interested in that. I don't know how. But unfortunately for a lot of people, the pattern is not follow, believe, obey, follow, believe, obey. It's just they think about Christianity. They think, oh, I got to do some stuff. I got to obey a list of rules. There's some do's and don'ts, some thou shalt's, some thou shalt nots. And if I don't obey, I'm toast. They, they skip over the, the other two parts and they just go straight to obey. But I'm telling you, Old and New Testament, this is the pattern. When Jesus walked up to Matthew's tax collector's booth, he didn't say, Matthew, you need to change what you're doing. How dare you be a tax collector? He said, no, follow me. In fact, let me, let me give you probably the most, the, the most well-known example. The most famous list of rules in the Bible is what? Ten Commandments, right? 
So, so God, most people, you know, they say that they follow them. They can't tell you where they're found in the Bible or what they are. But yeah, I follow them. Like, I obey them, right? And you can read this for yourself. God gave the Ten Commandments to Israel. But when he gave them to them is just as important as what he gave them. Okay? God did not give the commandments to the nation of Israel on day one. He did not say, hi, I am God. Here's some things I would like for you to do. And if you do them, I'll rescue you from slavery. No, no, that's not how it happened. God gave the Ten Commandments after he had already brought them out of slavery. After he had parted the Red Sea. After he had, had provided for them in the desert, led them by day, protected them by night. After weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of giving, providing, protecting, giving, providing, protecting, giving, providing, protecting. Then God said, here's how I want you to live. I've already proven to you that I love you. I've already proven to you that I'm going to provide for you. I've rescued you from slavery. Now, here is how to stay inside my fence of favor. You've started to follow. You've started to believe I am who I am. Here's the best way to live. He gave them the Ten Commandments after he'd already established trust. After he'd already proven that he loved them. After they realized he had their best interest in mind. And you know why God did that? Because God is really smart. You know this. This is how the best relationships work. When you're convinced someone has your best interest in mind, you're open to their influence. Isn't that true? Yes. When I know my parents had my best interest in mind, that was when it was easiest to obey them. Even if I didn't understand, even if I didn't like the rules, I knew they had their best, my best interest in mind. And maybe for you, it was a parent, it was, it was a boyfriend, it was a girlfriend, it was a mentor, it was a teacher, it was a coach, maybe it was a pastor. When you know somebody has your best interest in mind, you're open to what they have to say to you. So God says to the nation of Israel, now that we have a relationship, now that you know how much I love you and I care for you, I want to show you the best way to live, not to earn my love. I've already loved you. I've already proven that. I want to show you the best way to live life because I'm the author of it. I know how it works best. So, trust me. Would you obey me? This is the best way to live. Here's what I want you to do. That's the pattern. Old and New Testament. And we, we get this, people who do what I do get it mixed up. I'm sorry for them, but I'm trying my best not to mix it up, okay? Okay. But this is the part where, if we're honest, a lot of people are go, I'm good with the follow part. You know, Jesus is my homeboy, right? And I even believe. I believe he is, in fact, the Messiah. I'm going to heaven. I like the songs. I like showing up at church. But the obey part, is that really what it says in the Bible? Is that, is that really what we're supposed to do? I'm not, I'm not sure I can do that. Jesus understood this. He, he knew that we would, we would be hesitant. He knew people would struggle with this. So at the very end of his most famous sermon, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, he tells a famous parable, a famous story. And remember, the people he's talking to have already started to follow. Some of them have started to believe. They've, they, they've, they've started to trust in, not just trust that. So when he asked them to obey, when he taught them to organize their life around his kingdom values... They were receiving it from someone that they were convinced had their best interest in mind. 
And he tells this story um, in, in Matthew 7. If you have a Bible or a mobile device, I'd love for you to find this, follow along. Um, while you're finding it, I just kind of want to review some of the things that Jesus has just said. This is the, the Sermon on the Mount. You can call it the Christian Constitution. This is how we're supposed to live. This is what it looks like to, to, to live out God's kingdom values, all encompassing, all areas of life. One of the things he said, he said, hey, when someone strikes you on the cheek, when someone hurts you, when someone offends you, I don't want you to get revenge. I want you to actually turn to them the other cheek. Oof. That doesn't sound very fun, Jesus. I know, but that's what I want you. He also said, when somebody asks you to do something, go the extra mile. Do more than they ask of you. Well, is that for every time? Yeah, every time. And, and, and even if somebody asks for something, I want you to give them more than what they ask for. Everybody, like even the Romans who are occupying our land? Yeah, even the Romans who are occupying your land. God knows what you need. He'll take care of you. Okay. Um, and then he says, by the way, I want you to forgive everybody. Every time? Yeah, forgive everybody every time. Well, Jesus, if I do that, I'm letting them off the hook. They owe me, and if I forgive them, they won't owe me anymore. I know. That's why I came. I came to let you off the hook. I came to, to, to make sure you didn't have to pay a debt that you owed. So I just want you to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. All of these things, it was radical. He raised the standard in almost every area, the area of generosity and ethics and human relationships, so many areas. And of course, they're thinking what we think when we read the Sermon on the Mount. Follow? Yeah. Believe? Yeah. Obey? Maybe. I'm not sure I can do it. It's so hard. It's so out there. And Jesus knows what they're thinking, knows what we're thinking, tells this story at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, this means this is the end. Therefore, all that stuff that I've just taught, that's what, that's what it's there for. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into, what's the word? Practice. In other words, this isn't about listening. This isn't about showing up on Sunday morning and sitting in a row. This isn't about the fun, you know, ooey-gooey religious feelings you get. This isn't about learning. He's talking about doing. Jesus would say, hey, I'm glad you're listening today in church. I'm glad you listen to your favorite preacher on the radio. Glad you're learning. Glad you listened to that podcast. I'm glad Matthew took good notes so you could all read this. Glad you're paying attention, but please understand. This is about putting into practice what I've taught. This is about doing. I'm calling you to live differently to live under my kingdom values. I'm calling you to a brand new way of living. And anyone who does that, anyone who leaves here and starts doing what I just taught, they're like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus, here's what he's saying. Jesus, Jesus is saying, everybody who obeys me is really smart. They're really wise, which if you think about it, you, you could have come across, come across as extremely arrogant. So just imagine this. Imagine if, if I stood up here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and said, guys, I just, I, would you just do what I tell you to do? Under my authority, would you do what I tell you to do? By the way, if a preacher ever does that, you need to do what everybody else does and leave. Right? 
Because you would think one of three things about me if I said that every week. You would say, number one, he is really arrogant to think that I need to do what he tells me to do. Number two, you would think I'm crazy. Or number three, you might think I know what I'm talking about. You're either arrogant, crazy, or you know what you're talking about. That's, that's what that audience had to make a decision. Is Jesus arrogant, crazy, or does he know what he's talking about? Jesus says, I want you to leave here, and I want you to do what I tell you. And just so we're clear, Jesus doesn't say, you need to start doing this on Monday, and by Friday, everything's cool. Like today, in our world, building a house takes some time. And we've got modern equipment, we've got technology to help us uh, make it quicker. In the first century, it took a long time to dig down to bedrock. It took a long time to make sure you're building on the right, right foundation. So Jesus, looking at the entirety of our life, says, I want you to take the time to lay a foundation that withstands anything you come up against or anything that comes up against you. Verse 25, this is, this is the part some of us could sing, right? The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Just as a house with a proper foundation can withstand a storm, so will you withstand the storms of life when you obey what I teach you. Later on, Jesus promises, as if he needed to promise this, Jesus promised, in this world, you will have trouble. You'll have relational trouble, you'll have financial trouble, you'll have health trouble, you'll have kid trouble, you'll have job trouble, you'll have all kinds of trouble. And Jesus looks at the crowd and says, look, I'm glad you're starting to fall, I'm glad you've begun to believe, but I want you to be prepared for life, because life is hard. It's hard, it's just hard. It's gonna, you're gonna have trouble, but if you'll organize your life around my teaching, if you'll move from follow to believe to obey, when the storm comes, yeah, you'll lose a shingle or two. You might lose some siding. There might be some holes in the windows, but at the end of the day, you'll stand. You'll stand, not because you prayed a prayer. Not because you were in church every Sunday. Not because you felt religious feelings. Not because of promises you made. Not even because of your intentions being good. You will stand the storm because of a lifestyle where you practice what I taught. You did. You obeyed. Obedience is what makes the difference when the storms of life come. Here's how I think about it. Have you ever watched somebody that you know or maybe even watched from the sidelines Somebody going through a terrible storm that they didn't ask for. They, they, didn't, they, they, they weren't going looking for trouble. Trouble found them. Have you ever found yourself looking at people? And sometimes people rise above it. Some people, they, they weather the storm. And some people, they just succumb to it. That's just, that's just how it happens sometimes. I oftentimes will look at people who go through things like that. And I will think to myself what some of you think. I wonder how I would respond to that. I wonder how my marriage would fare if I went through that. I wonder what my mental and emotional health would be like if I was given that diagnosis. I wonder. I don't know. Jesus, who loves you, said 2,000 years ago, the best preparation for your unknown future 
is to start building on something solid now. To organize your life around me and my values. Because there's another part to the story. But everyone, not just first century Jews, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, if you don't do what I'm teaching you, they're like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And his audience is going, okay, so you're saying if we don't do what you just said, we're fools. To which Jesus says, yes. You're like somebody who says, I'd like a beach house on the beach. I'd, I'd like, it's a lot quicker that way. In fact, I mean, my house is almost done and those poor schmucks are still digging for bedrock, right? I'm kicked back, relaxed. I got a drink with an umbrella in it. It's awesome. And they're still trying to figure out how to get to the foundation. This is way easier. This is way easier. I'm living in my house. They haven't even found us the foundation yet. This is, this is great. So you're telling us if we don't do what you just taught us, like somebody who would be so dumb as to build their house on the beach, Jesus, nobody would do that. That's his point. It's exactly his point. He says, I want you to understand from my perspective as the author of life, the perfecter of life, <laughs> to ignore what I am teaching you because it's too hard or because it's culturally irrelevant or it costs you too much is the equivalent of building your house on the beach. Everybody knows how that's going to end. It's predictable. You're not special. You don't get around it. It's predictable. How houses built on sand end up. It's just a matter of time. And again, extraordinarily or arrogant thing to say unless he knew what he was talking about. He finishes the story the exact same way, the same scenario the wise builder faced. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. And the, 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 the point here is the two houses faced the same storm, right? The wise builder faced the same storm that the foolish builder faced. In other words, following, believing, and obeying doesn't exempt you from storms. And it fell with a great crash. And nobody in his audience was surprised by that. Because, of course, that's what happens to houses built on sand. And then, we, we kind of skip over this part, because like, that's not really part of the story, but we need to pay attention to this. Matthew gives us so, so much detail. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of their law. That There, there was something so compelling about what, how Jesus taught and what he taught, that, that the crowd was like, man, as difficult as that is to, to kind of wrestle with and to think about leaving and doing, he's got some authority. There's something about him that makes me think he knows what he's talking about. That was their reaction. And just like that crowd had a reaction, there's a reaction happening today. Whenever we think about this, this is, this is going to land in one of three ways. It's either going to land with you as a comfort, as a warning, or as an explanation. It, it comes as a comfort to those of you who a year ago, six months ago, several decades ago, 
decided that you were going to organize your life and build your life around the teachings of Jesus. And today, here we are weeks, months, years, decades later, and you've faced some storms. You've gone through some stuff, and you've survived. And if you were to tell your story, you, you would say something like, well, I wouldn't have made it through that illness. Our marriage wouldn't have survived. I don't know how we would have dealt with that prodigal son, that prodigal daughter. I don't, I don't know how we would have made it through without our faith in Christ. And Jesus would say to you, no, it wasn't your faith in me. It was your obedience of me that brought you through that storm. It was your practice of my teachings. You lived your life in such a way to prepare for the storms. This parable, it should actually be a comfort for some of us. It, it, it should also be a comfort to those of you, you've just started to live your life in the way of Jesus. You've started to become more generous. You've started to be more kind, that, that, that the fruits of the Spirit are starting to be developed in you because you, you want to align your life and your priorities around the teachings of Jesus. And, and yeah, even for somebody who's been following Jesus since I was 14, there are still moments when I ask, is this worth it? <laughs> because this is hard. This is difficult. Am I foolish for doing this? I would say to you, because I think this is what Jesus would say to you, no, you're not foolish. It may not be today. It may not be next week. It may not be a year from now, 10 years from now, but you're laying a foundation and I'm laying, I'm looking at your entire life. So you remain faithful. You stay faithful. You're doing exactly what I taught. You're building your life on a firm foundation. It should be a comfort to you. But for others, and I don't know who, but for others, this is, this is a warning and it's a warning because you know better. You know better than how you're living your life. You know what God says. You know his word. You've been in church long enough. You've been following Jesus. And you know. And you like the follow part. You like the believe part. Maybe you even prayed a prayer, went to forward to an altar. You've been baptized. But when it comes to doing when it comes to breaking up and ending that relationship and, and moving out, when it comes to, to being more generous with your money, when it comes to, to rethinking the way you do business and, and what you disclose or what you don't disclose, that whole ethics and honesty thing, when it comes to serving, when it comes to your sexuality, and it comes to the obey part, that's a threat to your way of life. It's threatening to you. And, and with as much pastoral care and love that I can muster right now, I need you to hear this parable is a warning for you. It's a warning. And the problem is there's not a cloud in the sky in your life, is there? There's no rain. There's no storm coming on the horizon. There's no lightning. There's no wind. Your nose isn't growing every time you tell those little white lies. You go to church every week and you haven't been struck by lightning yet. But Jesus, who 
loves you. Who wants what's best for you is saying to you today, this isn't about today. This isn't about next week. This isn't about next year. I'm looking at your whole life and you're building on the wrong foundation. And there's a storm coming. And when it hits, your life's not going to stand because you're foolish. You're not, you're not displaying common sense. And, and the worst time to rethink what you've built your life on is in the middle of a storm. It's the worst time when the floodwaters break through your front door. You're not thinking, hmm, I need to get out there and dig a better foundation. No, when the floodwaters break through your front door, you're collecting the scrapbook and the hard drive and whatever you got to do and you're heading to higher, water, higher ground. That's, that's all you can do. You just take what you can and you get out because everything else is gone. And there's no magic prayer. There's no, if you read this verse three times a day and click your heels together, you're going to wake up and everything's going to be just like it was. It's too late for that. It's just too late for that. Ladies and gentlemen, for some of you, this is your warning. Not from a God with lightning bolts in his hand. From a Savior who loves you, who wants what's best for you, who is the author of life. He knows how it works best. And come on, you know, storms are coming. They just are. They are. It's life. And Jesus wants you to be prepared. And so he says to you, the smartest thing you could do, the wisest thing you could do, the common sense thing for you to do is embrace and obey my teaching. Live accordingly. Practice what I teach for some of you. It's not fun to hear. But this parable is a warning. And then for others of you, it's an explanation. It's an explanation of what you're going through right now. For some of you, it's an explanation why you're back in church because the storm took you out. Thought your marriage was good, now it's gone because it was built on sand. You never imagined you'd turn to prescription drugs, but here you are. You thought you'd never go back to alcohol, but you have. You thought, you thought everything was rock solid and life was great and suddenly your dreams aren't coming true and nothing's, nothing's working. You've even thought, well, I came back to church and I started praying. Why isn't this thing turning around? And your Savior, who loves you, says to you, I'm glad you're back in church. I'm stoked we're talking again. But it's obedience that makes the difference. It's obedience that makes the difference. This parable, it should just explain some things for some of you. And it's not God's wrath. It's not God's punishment. It's just the result of living your life the way you wanted to live it. You put your foundation in a place that couldn't survive the storm. The good news is God doesn't love you any less. And you can start today by building on a better foundation. You can start digging right now. The not so great news is, it's probably gonna take a while. So come on, grab a shovel. <laughs> start digging. Start building on something more secure and solid. That's why, you just, just read church history. This is why millions of people over the last 2,000 years have found faith in the middle of brokenness. Because it was a faith that not only affected what they believe, 
It, it impacted how they actually lived because they realized it's actually obedience that makes the difference. So I'm telling you, like any good parent, your heavenly father would look you right in the eye and say, would you please trust me? Would you please trust me? Just, just obey. I know people around you might not understand. I know you're scared, but if you look past right now, this day, this month, this year, your current relationship, your current job, and just obey, I'll help you lay a foundation that will serve you for the rest of your life. And when the winds and the rain and the storms come, you'll stand. It was that kind of obedience, radical obedience, that turned the Roman Empire upside down. And it is that kind of radical obedience in Jesus' church that will turn America upside down. It's that kind of obedience that leaves people with no regrets. I mean, come on. Has there ever been a time when you've regretted obeying Jesus? How many regrets do you have from disobeying him? Just make a list. See which one works. It's obedience that prepares you for the storms of life that are coming. So I hope. I hope you keep following. (laughs) I hope as much as you dislike this message, I hope you come back next week and keep taking notes. You keep learning You keep on leaning in to what you believe and how that actually affects your life. But the difference in your life will happen when you decide to do something with what you believe. Not to earn God's love, but because he's already given to you. He's already loves you. He's already proven that. And because you can see, you can understand, you can trust that obeying Jesus, practicing what he taught is the smartest, wisest thing you ever do. So let's follow, let's believe, but let's radically obey. And if you do, Jesus' promise is simple. When the storm comes, you'll stand. When the storm comes, and it's coming. I don't know when, don't know where, but it's coming. When the storm comes, you'll stand. The song that keeps going through my head over and over and over again this week, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. That is my encouragement. Walk out of these doors when the emotion of this moment is gone and obey. Do what Jesus says. That's what makes the difference in your life and mine. Follow, believe, but let's obey. Let me pray for us and we'll get out of here. Father in heaven, So much easier for me to stand up here and say than it is to walk out the doors and do. But I pray for your people, the people who are following, those who say they believe. I I pray that you would even now bring to their minds through your spirit what they need to do to obey you. It's a a relationship thing. It's a finance thing. it's It's a job thing. It's an ethics thing. But they know. They know. And they need to obey. God, I pray that you would give them the courage to be like the wise builder. That as difficult as it is, as long as it takes, as countercultural as it looks, as much as it costs, that they would obey you. They would practice what you've taught. And and in doing that, 
life may not get easier immediately. It, it might in the short term actually get harder. But they know that in the long run, in, in, in this whole life that you're looking at, that, you're, that you're, it, your lordship reigns over, that this is what is the best, wisest thing to do. God, help us. Help us to be the kind of people that radically obey, that live completely different lifestyles, and then watch, pay attention, wait for you to do what only you can do. And that's continue to change individual hearts, to change families, to change communities, to change this world that you've placed us in. God, we submit this to you, asking for you, again, to give us the wisdom and the courage to do what you teach. And we'll give you praise. I ask it all. I ask it for my friends. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Have a great week. You're dismissed. <laughs>